Hey everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Mindset Podcast. I'm honestly so grateful that you're subscribed to my podcast and I'm excited to share yet another episode with you. This podcast is all about bringing servant leaders to share their top five actionable life lessons with you all in hopes to inspire you to take more action in your life and find your true purpose. Today I have such an incredibly humble and kind guest. His name is Nick Elston and he is one of the highest profile and leading inspirational speakers on the lived experience of mental health. Described usually as a big man, big heart, big story and brutally honest, utterly inspirational, absolutely engaging and 10 out of 10 a speaking masterclass. Nick shares his experiences of mental illness, mental ill health and breakdown worldwide through his powerful, inspiring, engaging and emotional talks. In this episode, Nick shared his top five life lessons which has helped him grow into the servant leader that he is today and here they are. Number one, vulnerability to bulletproof. Number two, choices. Number three, never assume. Number four, emotional storytelling. And number five, authenticity is key. Make sure you all go and reach out to Nick after listening to this episode and without further ado, let's get straight into this episode. Hey Nick, thank you so much for being with me on the Purposeful Mindset podcast. Honestly, I'm super grateful. I'm excited. I'm going to go straight into it, dude. I, you know, we just had an awesome chat before we started when I clicked record. And um, just to give everybody an insight. So we, we connected through LinkedIn as, as many of my guests do. And you know, like I just, I just love the way you reached out because I know a lot of people I found in my life, they, they always want to just take and take and take from everybody. But Nick was willing to like give something of value and ask and just be so humble about the way you ask, not just like salesy or like, hey, I want to be on your podcast. Please give me the opportunity. It's genuinely like Nick's like, you know, your, your bio and your profile and just the work that you're doing in the world. It's just so inspiring that I was like automatically already kind of indulged into your content. And then I was like, well, he he gave me something. He added value. And then he asked, like, would I consider having him on the podcast? And also you listened to one of my other podcasts with your budding um, friend Zoe, right? So yep. I'm super excited to go straight into this, Nick. I really want to know, like, what is, what is Nick's, as a, as a budding speaker, <laughs> I, like, I want to know, like, what is Nick's top five life lessons? And uh, feel free to introduce yourself to everybody listening as well. Cool. Well, firstly, cheers. I'm really excited to be here. It's kind of my thing. I like to take the ego away from like an ego-filled world, especially in the speaking community. I mean, like I said, you've had, you kind of had a taste of this, that you very rarely get to see the truth. And that's kind of what I try and do. Um, so my name is Nick Elston. I'm an inspirational speaker on the lived experience of mental health. Really, really important definition. Lived experience. I ain't a medical professional. I share my own experiences of mental illness and mental health challenges and adversity and help increase engagement to mental health initiatives are in place. That's kind of what I do. So I work for people like KFC, American Express, some of the big brands uh, to help their people engage in mental health stuff. I also do a lot of uh, speaking coaching, but not as a presentation skills thing. I'm not a details guy. Uh, It's very much about emotional storytelling. How do we sound when we deliver emotion? And as we were saying, just before we click record, it's about how you make an audience feel. So that's kind of what I do um, as a job. It's kind of nuts seeing where it come from. I'm sure I'll come on to that. Um, But yeah, coming from my own experiences of mental illness and breakdown and things that 
uh, I think there's maybe something in that, that you never know what the most exciting things are that's going to happen to you because it happened by accident. So mm. some of the like, sort of five things I'm going to share with you today, winging this, riffing with my own content, I would say <laughs> first one, first one is vulnerability to bulletproof. Um, actually, when we start to use vulnerability as a daily practice, we become bulletproof. The second one is going to be around choice, which is the first thing we sacrifice when we struggle with mental health challenges. Uh, thirdly, never assume, especially right now as we record this in February 21, in lockdown with the pandemic still rocking on, never assume. That assumption is a very dangerous thing. The fourth one, of course, is around public speaking. So that emotional storytelling part, I'll be sharing a little bit about kind of what I coach with that stuff. And finally, maybe just a call for some hope and inspiration, which is much needed at the minute. So that's kind of what, that's the, the menu of things I'm going to lay on the table for you there, Sidi. I love it, Nick. Honestly, like, and the way you just like came up with that at the top of your head, like I, I can <laughs> so I can so relate, man. Like, as I said to you before we recorded, like my TED talk that I did literally a week before I did it, I put the presentation together because I was told like you gotta have you gotta hand in a little presentation. Mm-hmm. And you could and it was so specific, you can't have like lots of words and you can only have minimal words but more images. And I was like, damn, like so I had to figure out what to say, but put that together on the day of the talk, it was just like me sharing from the heart being myself as i as i've learned in my whole personal personal growth journey over the last six years to just be myself too because i've accepted me for who i am i accept me for the flaws for my mistakes for my um imperfections and i've just come to a realization that we when we accept who we are as people as individual with with the good and the bad and and we stop worrying about people's opinions life life becomes so much more sweeter man like life just becomes beautiful like someone says something don't care they say something genuinely else, we are soul brothers that acceptance <laughs> thing so so big so important if i'm honest and i'm always trying to be honest brutally honest i've been described as um actually one of the things i'm working through right now relates to something around acceptance and i think it's really important to be open about this stuff because people need to see the truth behind the the show, the, the the stage stuff, all that kind of thing. And it's really interesting that um, people kind of wince a little bit, especially on LinkedIn, and say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having counselling still. I proactively use talking therapy. Who, who the hell wouldn't? Do you know I mean, it's a really positive thing. Hmm. Yeah, man, I, I totally agree. Because I think it's like you're, it's like the first thing you shared about vulnerability, right? Like that is hmm. such a massive topic in itself. You know, like when we choose, because it's a choice, when we choose to be vulnerable, to the people mm. around us in our life and just be authentic, be yourself, not needing to worry about rehearsing something in your mind, a script, and, and and actually allowing your emotions from deep within your soul to just come out and just be like, hey, like this is what I want to share with the world. This is my message. Mm. And like this can help you, especially in the field you're in, right, within mental health. Like I share a lot of content around that as well. And I've just found that when we just like we all have this inner genius right we have this 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 zone of genius within us when when we truly tap into it we can actually go and give value to others even if you some people you know they they beat themselves up so much and they think that oh what do i have to give to the world when it's like no mm. but you got a story your life your your story your own challenges like you said earlier on but right? i'm sure you're going to go into it but you know you said you went from you know hosting pubs and clubs to be like an inspirational speaker and i was like who does that like in the pubs and clubs, you're just like, everybody's like, hey, it's Friday night, let's get drinking with the boys. And exactly. that's it. And then from that, you're going into like a whole deeper level of like, no, you know what, John, like, how do you genuinely feel deep down? You know, like you're talking mm. to your pals, you're like, hey, you know, Bruce, like, how, how do you really feel, man? Like, don't put, don't put on the act. Like, how do you really feel deep down? Tell me, talk to me. 
And nobody, yeah, we don't absolutely. have those conversations, right? So I'm curious to know your and, thoughts on that. And like knowing yourself is is the, I think it's the ultimate place, the ultimate acceptance, I guess, is to, is to know exactly what, it's the same with kind of what I do uh, with the, the mental health stuff. I'm probably one of a few people that lead with, I'm not a solution, I'm not a fix. What I will do is to give people permission because, as you know, as being a coach, that people are waiting for permission to make positive change or waiting for permission to reach out for help. So what I do is to make it safer for them to engage in stuff. Or if they do need to reach out to people, knowing people like yourself, who is a coach, is a solution person, that's not me. I, I coach the speaking element, but certainly not the mindset, certainly not the mental health and that element. So, yeah, and knowing that is really important. And I think broadly all of us can really benefit from knowing exactly our why. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do it this way? Why can we do not do it this way? Mm-hmm. And once we start to, it's something I work under when I get too deep too quickly, that I work with the principle if we have all the answers we'll ever need, we just don't ask ourselves the right questions. And if we do ask ourselves the right questions, we'll be the first to jump in our own way. One of the things I talk about on stage is very much around, um, okay, Question why you do anything, like for a whole 24-hour period. Exhausting process, but everything you say to yourself, everything you do, question that. Where does that come from? Why do you do that? Why did you wake up at this time? Could you do with more sleep or less sleep? Or is it because you've always done it that way? Why do you wake up next to them? Maybe is a question you haven't asked in a while. And I throw that one in because it's a little bit funny, a bit of blue for the dads, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But actually, <laughs> essentially, it's one of those questions we can ring fence because it's uncomfortable to ask ourselves those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's so true. And I think I also like the fact that you said that you add that little fun into it. Something that I've realized really recently because of the, the mental health challenges that people have, are going through right now in the, in the pandemic is like, like people have forgot to have fun. Like they, they have forgotten how it feels like to have fun yeah. when it was like, I, you know, I, I really try my best to help people to go back into their childhood and like, what did you do for fun when you were kids? When there was no bloody social media, mm. you know, when there was no <laughs> screens, when they like, I never had, I, I shared on my TED talk, like I was from the generation where, and, and I'm still pretty young, but I was still from the generation where like, I never had social media. We used to play with action man dolls. Like that was my freaking hero, my action man. Yeah. Like I used to love it. And I used to go and play with my friends in the park. We used to play football and like, it was real life, but people have forgotten mm. the reality and they're all stuck in the screens. So um, could you kind of share like a little bit about how, how can someone actually become more vulnerable? How can they have that? Okay. How can they start feeling more vulnerable in the, in the actual life right now? Okay, so I like to try and flip it. So anything I ask, for example, how can you help people? I prefer to ask, how can't you help people? There's a huge self-protection piece going on. And I think, okay, so if you're not vulnerable, if you're not authentic and you're true to yourself, if you're not that, that's the reason why I got myself into a position of constantly burning out and the reason why I had my breakdown. And I think for me, it's a huge contributing factor. And I see this in audiences and I, I deliver this stuff all over the world. So this isn't a UK thing specifically. This is a global thing that the industries that I work most in, so education and law, construction, all those kind of industries, high pressure environments. And the reason, one of the main reasons why I got to that point was because I would constantly mask how, how I was and who I was. So I would try and be what people want to see in me I would try and be what situations demanded of me but I sure didn't damn show myself because when I showed myself my narrative told me that's when you're going to get shot at or dismissed or not loved or judged all these kind of things go through our heads so you end up masking your behavior you end up trying to mirror everybody what they want to see in you 
But none of those masks are you. You're a different person at home than you are at work, different person at work than you are with your friends, and none of them are you. And you can only you can only kind of live for so long with that mask on before you get absolutely lost in yourself and you you kind of you disconnect from that sense of identity. The reason, or one of the main reasons why I came away from that point in my life was by using speaking, but also using vulnerability by sharing all six foot four and 20 odd stone of me, sharing to a room of people in a business context. Actually, two weeks ago, I had a breakdown in the car park outside this hotel. And actually saying that to, to those people, it's a terrible talk. I was shaking, I was crying and everything. But two weeks, I, I just, it was basically cheap therapy. It was 15 quid, including breakfast. It was cheap therapy. Um, and the process of me being vulnerable, not only did it help me, because suddenly my story didn't own me anymore, I owned it. And I could roll out the value to other people. But other people started sharing their stuff with me. Things about... Uh, racism and sexism and abuse and grief and loss and all this stuff that we just carry around with ourselves we don't talk to people about especially what nine years ago now um we just didn't do that kind of thing so what i found was vulnerability not only helped me to become bulletproof by practicing that daily but also it helped other people Mm -hmm. to be able to tell their stuff to me it instantly built a bridge of trust yeah, honestly, I so can relate to that because I think when I started, so, f- you know, to give you a little bit of context of myself and my journey, like over six years ago, I used to be super shy, couldn't speak to a woman. I had eight friends, played Call of Duty, came back home, went to work in the bank, ate, slept, repeated the same thing every day. Like that was pretty yeah. much my life in a nutshell. And so when I had to, number one, learn how to become more confident, learn how to be able to speak to women because I knew in the future I'll have to speak to women at work and like and I had that I had the the chills and like I, I used to get this weird teary eye drop thing but when I see <laughs> you, you know that really yeah, yeah, I, I get it yeah, yeah I get it yeah. weird like teary thing I was like where does it come from when I'm speaking to you like I just don't understand why I'm so scared <laughs> and so after I I learned like I did a lot of personal development and I got over the fear and I started speaking to women and I started like getting over all of that and then through my journey, I realized that the more like real and authentic I am, what you said was spot on. Like when we open up, I think in life, if everybody just focuses on opening up yourself first to somebody that you trust and then allow it, and then you'll see the magic happen from there. Because like you said, when you open to others, they suddenly find permission to just be like, hey, actually, like I can relate to you. And actually this happened to me actually as well. And so they start Absolutely. going into a li- they they start tapping into like a little different mindset. They start tapping into their soul because they found a relatability with somebody that they can actually just go deeper with. Somebody that actually mm. cares, though, not just a friend that's going to take the mick out of them and you know and, and and kind of shake it off after that. Someone that actually asking you deeper questions and that cares about you. So yeah, opening Absolutely. up is so powerful, man. I love. I, love, I think that's it is, and it, it's also about getting good with sensitivity. So. Yeah. Well, I talk a lot about the byproducts of things like high anxiety. So the byproducts are aggression or low low energy or lethargy. They could be defensive behavior, erratic behavior, lots of different things, even insecurity and jealousy. But so it's kind of like you need to have the mindset that you're prepared to fail. Mm. So in your example, if you were chatting to another woman and that didn't go the way that you want, that is getting okay with that. Because once you've yeah. got okay with that, anything else is a bonus. <laughs> Definitely. And it, it, it comes back to that mindset of like rejection. Like I honestly, yeah. the, the best book I ever read in my life in 28 years was a book called Go For No. 
Like, oh my God, like it's literally just go for that. no. That's going on the list now. Dude, it's literally like, <laughs> taught me like, you know what, in life, if you can just, I wish a baby was taught this, you know, like you're just born and a baby's on told like, just go for no your whole life. Just go for no. Like just go for no, love rejections, love failures, love all the no's in your life. Honestly, there will be so many more happier, happier people in the world because you genuinely would like have a different perspective of like, someone says no, mm. okay. Go to the next one. Someone said, okay, no, 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 rejection, rejection, rejection. You don't care because it's so, it becomes so normal to you that you're just like, oh, well, it's kind of like you would twist the mindset as well and you're just like, you're lost. Mm. You know, like when- Yeah, when I, absolutely. Yeah, go for it, go for it. My background was in um, corporate sales. Uh, so after the, the kind of clubs and pubs period, I went to like corporate sales, account management, even to- head of partnerships for a software company. And one of the principles was around that rejection element. It was some will, some won't, so what, next. Yep. <laughs> and actually, once you start that. to wrap your head around that, that works on every level, personal level and, and a professional level. I love that because I, I, I also remember that when I was learning sales. It was like SWSW, some will, some won't. So yeah, what, yeah exactly. <laughs> there, there, there are some gems wrapped amongst the rubbish that's talked in sales. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You've got to root around man. a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> there, are, there, are, there are a lot of gems in sales. And like I've been having a lot of recent conversations with some of my clients around sales and the mentality, the, the mindset of yeah. why people fear sales, when in reality, sales is our life, is everything that we do yeah. is sales. Every day we wake up, we're selling ourselves to our kids to the people in our life to your friends to your colleagues to your co-partners everything you're yeah. selling you, you are and I think do you know what? that's a, that's a really interesting point from two perspectives actually the mental health bit sales is kind of destroyed by the terminology the perception of sales as, as a word and it's the same with mental health mental health has been turned into a negative term but it's just a neutral state of this planet, anyone on it has mental health. Whether it's good or bad, that's irrelevant. You have mental health, like physical health. Same with cells, the the devil's in the terminology, but also with speaking, that you you mentioned things like kind of speaking to somebody who's not in networking, not in business. And uh, great examples like taxi drivers, when we have that chat on the way to a venue, Mm. oh, what do you do? I'm a speaker, I do this and this. They kind of think like some fat Tony Robbins. (laughs) <laughs> because everything is like, I'm not like, I'm not a rat around merchant. Do you know what I mean? I try, I do my own style kind of thing. Because, but again, it's the perception of a speaker. I'm sure we'll come on to that shortly anyway. <laughs> you just got me, you got me when you're like, the, this taxi driver thinks you're a fat Tony Robbins. <laughs> It'd be called a lot worse, I'll take that. It, right? People don't get that not everybody's rah-rah. Like some, no. some speakers are just so eloquent and just, you know, mm. just, so beautiful in the way they speak I, I i spoke to the other day um and i had I had laura on my podcast and laura is such an incredible speaker she's one of those like really captivating speakers but her the the way her english comes out and the tonality of it i was like mm. laura i, I watch your ted talk and i love it because your speaking style <laughs> was just like beautiful i wish i could do that but i can't because i'm rah rah like i'm like energy crazy like yeah. i want to give, give i was telling my client the other day i love giving hadouken hugs to the to the crowd like, <laughs> no, like, i like that that's cool <laughs> so i mean actually as we're on the subject let's talk about public speaking so like, public speaking is um I run monthly speaking academies now, part, and it's it's not about presentation skills for me. I talk about emotional storytelling, delivering personal stories. So, if I'm honest with you, and obviously mentioning their names for confidence, but some people will come to that event 
not because they want to be a pro speaker, not because they want to go anywhere near a stage, but they feel that they're not being heard in their own relationships. So actually the badge is speaking. It's more than that. It's, it's the power to be able to deliver any message with clarity and power and emotion, because as we both know, unless you can do that in, in your walk of life, in your professional, personal life, that it will have a, an ultimately defining effect on your success by your own definition of the term. So one of the first things I kind of focus on is around that kind of, this isn't turning you into something that you're not. This is about taking your characteristics, your voice, your tone, and amplifying that to reach a bigger audience, amplifying your message to reach more ears. That's what it's truly about. So, and as you said, I, I know some amazing speakers and have, and have taught of amazing speakers who use silence so powerfully. I can't stay quiet for one or five minutes, but, but they will actually stand on stage and, and say nothing and bring the room down to a silence. Mm. It's a power, it's a skill. And I think, especially when we're looking to deliver emotions, some of the exercises I go into, how do you deliver love? How do you deliver anger? How do you deliver sadness? Because we need to get good with this. And now this isn't especially in the UK thing. We're not great at conveying emotion mm. on the whole. Broad, broad kind of brush. But it's a really difficult thing. So for me, looking at the subjects of public speaking, it's more than that. This is life. This is business. This is everything about you. Unless you're truly being heard, it will have a damaging effect on your success. So my question to Nick, for all the audience, in, in a nutshell, would be, for somebody right now listening or watching this on YouTube and they're a little bit afraid or they're very afraid, they have a big, big, massive fear of public speaking. Because as we both know, public speaking is like the number one biggest fear in the world. Mm. Actually, I didn't even know that it was, people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of, than they are of dying. Yeah, true. I was we're, like, what? We're, we're, like, I, like, we're more I'm more afraid true. of my death than like public speaking. Like, if someone put me on the stage, well, I'll crap myself, but like, I'd rather do that than die right now because I want to live. <laughs> we are more afraid of ridicule than than death. That's the fear we're fighting against. Mm. And I think people in that situation, I think when you're in, when look, my experience is as a coach on this stuff, my experience is that people aren't afraid of public speaking per se. They're afraid it comes back to judgment. They're afraid of being judged. They're afraid of being heckled. I've done thousands of gigs, never been heckled once. In fact, the only time I did, it was by Zoe that was on here before, and she's a mate, so I let her off. Um, <laughs> so um, never been heckled once, but that's the fear. We have, we think that we're going to get heckled. Never been dismissed, not loved. Okay, some people might not get your stuff. If you, the more kind of subjective the content you're sharing, be prepared to lose. You may only get 80% of the room. Great, 80% is good. Um, but if you, know, if you know your topic, and the more, obviously, outrageous you get the more that the balance will be in the mix but if you know your topic you can know the, the people dynamics so essentially when you're in front of people pace tone and volume go middle all the time so go middle on your pace so you can allow yourself time to breathe same with your tone and your volume now the volume and the tone especially if you're conveying a, a personal story as we know the most powerful stories you take people down to bring them back up again you leave them inspired that's kind of the, the roller coaster flow of a, of, of a keynote talk, for example. So for me, it's, get, it's starting off in that middle range. If you start up here, you've got nowhere to go. Yeah. If you start down here, you've got nowhere to go down. So you need to go somewhere in the middle of your own range. Um, but for me, most of it's mindset. Most of it is, is the stuff you help people with. It's the stuff that 
uh, like Mo Farah. Mo Farah said that he he run, he runs a race before he gets to the stadium. Mm. He he kind of feels the audience like chanting his name and doing the Mobot, and he feels success before he's even got to that city that he's running in. So it's no surprise that when he rocks up, he usually wins. So actually, it's the same with the stage. So I use music to manage my state up. So uh, always country music, big country music fan. It's not all about losing your doggy and missus. Uh, <laughs> so it's fast tempo music to get on stage. Uh, obviously, I've got my walk-on music, which is um, Monster by The Automatic. And then coming off a of stage, I've got lower key music to manage my state back down again, avoid that boom and bust. Mm. So all these kind of different things you could put in place. So it was kind of like picturing it like a... Uh, like a high-performing event, really, that you would structure it well, you would plan, you would hydrate, you would, all these kind of different things. So that's kind of my rambling long answer to that. I do apologise. No, it's fine. No, it's, <laughs> it's valuable, bro. Like, I, I love it. I, I love the fact that you shared that. Because uh, someone watching this or listening right now, that's a lot of value for them to take in. Now they know, cool. like, they're probably taking notes, but okay, I need to work on my mindset. I need to work on how do I overcome that fear of judgment? You know, how do I... Yeah how do I learn this stuff? Because it's all learnable, right? Like Sadiq and Nick didn't just become speakers overnight. We practiced, exactly. we failed, and we made so many mistakes. And then we've learned from our experiences, right? So the one thing that I, I always advise people to do, but it goes against the grain. Sometimes it goes against, against the grain of the speaking community as a whole, but it goes against the grain is that it's called disarming truth. Tell your audience exactly how you're feeling and whatever's going through your head. So I still use the stage or a boardroom if I'm in a, in a corporate environment, as therapy space. Mm. So I, like you, we're not scripted guys. I will quite happily just riff with the audience and bring out experiences. Maybe I got troubled by something today, and I'll share that with the room for validation. So I yeah. use them as my cheap therapy kind of thing. Get paid therapy. It's great. Um, so there's that element. But also, don't be afraid of telling people exactly how you feel, because once you do that, once you acknowledge it and when you own it, it goes. So I always have two minutes and 30 seconds of anxiety at every stage event I deliver at. But I know after two and a half minutes, it goes. And the reason it goes is because I tell people right from the start, I'm really anxious right now. Interesting. The first time I spoke at XR London at a stage event, thousands of people in front of me. And the first thing I said was like, firstly, this is nuts. because This is just crazy at the time. Come from like having a breakdown to being here in the same place, got carried out by the same John's Ambulance. Another story. Anyway, so that was a whole thing. So I stood up on stage. The first thing I said was, I'm really anxious right now. Who the hell wouldn't be? I'm just about to bear my soul to 10,000 accountants. That kind of thing. And <laughs> it was that honesty. It done two things. The first thing was the audience was suddenly on my side because no one essentially wants somebody to fail. You've got them on your side straight away because you're authentic. comes back to vulnerability again. The second thing is, is that not only do they not wait to fail, they're going to encourage you to succeed. And it's a whole different shift. So suddenly you feel like everyone's on your side. Then you can relax into it. Like, yeah, we just have a bit of a party together. We'll yeah. kick around some ideas and that kind of stuff. And because I talk about heavy subjects, it's really important for me to get my vibe across early doors. This isn't going to be heavy. I'm going to, I'm going to mention some heavy stuff, but deliver it in a very different way. Mm. Yeah. Honestly. I hope that helps, Sadiq. Yeah, no, that was that was perfect, man. It was just so powerful because it just even you kind of reminded me of my TED talk because even before <laughs> my TED talk, like I'm 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 usually not uh, like I, I 
I mean, I, I when I used to, when I first so in 2019, the whole of that year, I was like, just I was not a coach. I was just speaking. Like I was like, Sadiq, I want to be a okay. speaker. That's my purpose. Like I was going into the speaking business. Like I was going to every speaking event and like uh, meetups and stuff in London. And I was just trying to get myself out there. I was posting so much content and video content, but I really wanted to get myself out there more. And so. Long story short, before my TED talk, when we're at the side, when they put the mic, they mic you up and everything, getting ready. And that's when, like, you know, something starts happening, right? It's like, do, 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 do inside. Something <laughs> is like rocking in, and you're thinking, oh, crap. Like, the, the guy is now talking about me. He's saying Sadiq is this inspirational speaker, and, you know, content creator, podcast host, da, da, da. And he's sharing all these things. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you're just kind of breathing, right? You're kind of getting ready. You have those, I always get, I do always get those few minutes of those little mm. the, that that feeling of just anxiety like you said where it's just like oh, yeah I'm, okay i'm going it's my turn now like a few more minutes and i'm up exactly there. and so and if, okay. but if we if we own that great because 100%. it's suddenly you'll notice this and you'll see this in other people mate that when when we're anxious and we're speaking we won't breathe we'll go too fast too high maybe too maybe too loud too quiet one of the two but we run out of breath mm. so Everything we can start to, those marginal gains, everything we can stack in our odds in our favour by getting all the basics right, like you said, and owning that anxiety, tell the audience, bring them into it. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, very briefly, I, I was at, uh, speaking at a law firm in London, and this is kind of fairly early on in my speaking career, and the the train was late from, from oh. Bristol where I live. <laughs> Um, when I got there, the first Uber broke down. The second Uber, um, his sat nav broke, so he didn't. He took me to the wrong place. So I had to basically kind of pelt it. I got there with, and um, I couldn't go into the green room. I went straight on stage. Now it was summer. I'm a big lad. I was hot. I was absolutely baking. So everything in me was trying to keep all of this in, but the best way was to let it out. So what I said was. You ever had one of those? Sorry, there's 300 lawyers in front of me. You ever had one of those days when a train's late, Uber broke down, the sat nav broken? Yeah, I have. And got a laugh straight away. And then we settled into the talk. See, you if you own that, if you own what's kind of really making you anxious, no one's got anything on you and you bring them in. So yeah. let go of that kind of vulnerable, let go of that fear of vulnerability. It's like you said, man, it's all about that relating. Like people just want to relate to you. They want to know you're normal. Is Nick normal? How comes <laughs> how comes he's so confident on the stage and he can he can talk the way he talks and you know he manages to teach us things in the way he teaches us that we are getting so much value from it. Like it's relatability, like just relating is, is so important. So yeah, man, I it love is. that. So well, you shared what you shared vulnerability. You shared vulnerability public and public speaking. So let's go with uh choice now. So choice, okay. I think given given the space that I operate in mainly, sorry, mental health, um, I think the first thing we sacrifice when we struggle with mental health and the first thing we sacrifice when we struggle with low self-esteem, low self-confidence, even things like low mood and depression, the first thing we sacrifice is choice. But absolutely, it's the only thing we've got. So we give it away. And I think the recognition, the realisation of that means that we can start to reclaim choice and we absolutely need to. We cannot control the uncontrollable. We cannot control pandemics. We cannot control other people, what they say, what they do. All we have control over, and I guess it's quite a stoic way of thinking, is our thoughts and our actions, how we choose to proactively go into each and every day, is accepting the fact that we cannot change anything that's going to happen to us most of the time. So actually getting good with not just change, but also resilience. The power is always in the comeback. Because we were saying just before we hit record that 
the best speakers, the best stories, the best examples of, of kind of resilience and, and adversity and stuff come from people that have had experience and come back from that point. But we can do that on every single, like every single day. We're all experiencing over the past year that kind of Groundhog Day mentality. But if we can start to focus and channel that in the right direction, have a, a high-performing day, have a really strong routine, um, then we can actually stack the odds in our favour. Because anxiety to me was regret from the past or fear of the future. Very rarely is it right now. Mm. And that's the interesting thing, is that anxiety is in the, the assumption of an outcome. So... I do some work with uh, colleges and schools and universities and stuff. Very popular kind of example would be happened three weeks ago. A girl, in the, uh, a girl uh, was on the Zoom call uh, from a school. Obviously, I can't see faces because of that child protection stuff. Um, but she said um, in a chat box, she said that I get anxious when my when I text my friend and my friend doesn't text back. And so I addressed that point. Actually, it's, that's not what she get anxious about is what she get anxious about is the story that she's told herself about that, that she's been dismissed or judged or not loved. All the, this keeps coming back to these things that they call the time. Vulnerability is acceptance, it's rejection, all these kind of different things. So once we kind of kick that idea around, should I put in the message box, actually, I get that. If we stick to the facts of the situation and not the story, we'll know exactly what's within our control and what's not within our control. And everything else, just let the hell go. It's going to destroy us. Hmm. So powerful. I love the way that I loved how you just said that little phrase of like anxiety is the the fear of the what you so you said anxiety was anxiety is regret from the past, regret from the past, or fear of the future. future. Very rarely is it today, and actually, if it is today, we can pretty much manage it. It's so true, man. Like it's it's always either something from their past, from the trauma, from the childhood, or it's something like that hasn't even bloody happened yet, but in their head. They've made the story up, so they think exactly. that happened, right? And like, you know, a lot of people come to me for advice in like on these topics of depression, anxiety, and stuff. And I can never help because I'm like, I've never been through it. Like, I've I've never. I'm so like blessed and I'm grateful and like, like I I have so much empathy for those people that have like going through it yeah. and have been through it, and the pandemic has like affected them even more. And the only thing that I can do is actually let them talk to me. Like, listen. I can be a good, I'm a good listener, so I can listen to their worries and their thoughts and their emotions, but I can never give them practical advice and like do this, do that, because I'm like, I've never been through it. So I don't know what's going to help you, but I think try this, try mm. that. This is what I would do maybe if I was in that position, but I've never been mm. there, so I don't really know. But I know this person, go and, go and speak to them, please, or follow their content, like it will really help you. So I'm going to shake it up a little bit now. I'm going to change assumption. I'm going to change never assume, because I can kind of be covered by choice. I'm going to go with a different way. How do we help people right now? And you've just given me a great example. So this was meant to happen. But again, power and a negative question in how can you help people right now? So if you look at the example you just gave, like you have a, a beautiful, amazing gift for people to have to trust and rapport with you. A lot of the time, people don't know you know you, but you've generated that feeling in people that they trust you. That's an amazing, like, well done. And I think anybody listening or watching this right now they will have the burdens potentially of other people around them. So whether it be their team, whether it be their family or friends, people that are really struggling, people that are going through a position of fear, that transfer of anxiety as somebody who trusts you, somebody who's close to you, all they want to do is to put this onto you and help and hope you take that burden. 
So it could be really just dis- kind of we've we've spoken about this before we came on about actually that kind of wounded healer thing. Mm. We were meant to talk about this. We were, we were <laughs> and, meant to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is a really important thing. Given kind of the roles that we play and what we do, I'll be absolutely lying if I said it doesn't affect my energy if we have these conversations all the time, because like I said, I just want to help as many people as possible. And I'll be the last to take my own advice about my own self-protection. Physician heal thyself and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's really important to recognise. So actually, if we look at that from a different way, how can we help other people? Most people, unless they're a medical professional, people aren't coming to you to be fixed. Mm. So that's where the burden comes from. People don't come to you to be fixed in that sense. And mental health people don't come to me to be fixed because I'm not a solution, very openly not a solution, I'm not a fix. But it's kind of like a human flaw wrapped in the kindness that if anybody comes to us, we feel that need to go, oh, I'll take it, I'll make it better, give them a big yeah. hug and I'll fix you, it'd be great. Yeah. But actually it's quite damaging on, for, for both of us. So for me, I would say the best way to look at it is if somebody comes to you, it's because essentially in life, people just want to be heard and they want to be understood. And right now we don't feel that way, generally. So if we can put the phone down, put the laptop away and genuinely listen to what they have to say, we'll really find out what's going on with them. But our responsibility is not to fix them still. Our responsibility is to do as you do, is to listen. And then you actively signpost to to communities, to support organisations, to lots of different things that can help people in that position. So interestingly, the, the mental health element aligns itself quite strongly and which is why I forge relationships with like black and ethnic minority communities, LGBTQ, is people that are, it affects your sense of belonging. That same with mental health, it's been a traditional thing, a taboo thing, but a traditional thing that's kept down that affects your sense of belonging, that aspiration, that hope, that because we've always been led to believe it, it defines us negatively, that we're not going to be able to aspire or hope for any better. And I think that's what we really need to t- uh, kind of tap into actively signpost those people to need that help but sometimes people just need a bit of hope a bit of inspiration so maybe you can give that maybe I can give that but knowing that boundary is really really important for anybody watching this so I refer on my website I've got a need help section to the NHS I refer to lots of different organizations doing great things to trusted practitioners Zoe is one that was on your show previously trusted people that I know can help people but also then, if people are going to share with you about mental health, they could share about uh, race or gender or anything, anything that's sensitive. So I've got, I've built up really strong relationships with the communities that I just mentioned. Even though I'm not a member of those communities, I see it as a passion. I want to have as many positive, empowering conversations with people as possible. And if, if that means going above and beyond to support people, I can do that because I haven't got the burden of trying to fix everybody. And yep. that's what we all can do. Because otherwise, our, our kind of automatic reaction is either to fix people or the other thing is, if somebody sees that you're struggling, Sadiq, they may keep your arm's length. Actually, it's too awkward, it's too much. I don't, don't want to be involved in that. Mm. Do you see what yeah. I mean? And yeah. again, that can be a community challenge as well. So massive kind of subject here. But again, it's who looks after the people that looks after people. Mm. So these people that have a position of responsibility, our responsibility is to signpost, not to fix. And then we empower more good 
Love that, man. That Shut is, up, man. That, 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 that was just like powerful, bro. I was just listening, thinking like, this is juicy stuff. You know, this is the good stuff that I was talking to you about earlier. Like, everybody shared the good stuff at the end, right? And then most like, most of the time, everybody clocks out of the podcast because they're not, they, they miss the good stuff at the end. And because that's when it gets deep, right? That's when we're really into the flow. Like you said, conversations is what's, I believe, missing in the world today. Genuine, mm. authentic, vulnerable conversations with people who just need to talk let it out as a coach you know one of the biggest lessons I've learned is I like Sadiq just shut up I know you like to talk Sadiq Sadiq loves to talk he's a speaker he's a coach it's too much energy he's crazy I want to give it to the world I want to give it to everybody I know but sometimes what I learn in my coaching practice is like just shut up Sadiq ask them a question shut your mouth and just listen for one hour you will they will fix themselves if you ask the right questions that's what I found. Like I just, I'm You're just right. a messenger of questions and they fix themselves by the end of it. Absolutely. And I think not, not exclusively men, but especially men have got a real challenge. We, we've, we've all kind of grown up um, in that kind of man up, stiffer, up, stiff upper lip kind of environment. We don't talk about our stuff, but it's also important to recognize not everybody wants to be fixed. Um, I think people want to engage in positive mental health generally they may not want other people to know about it, but they will want to engage with it. Uh, last week, um, I did a, a fantastic um, session with uh, care leavers from uh, some of the London Borough Councils. Um, and it was just something that I, I use my corporate stuff to, to kind of pay for the time that I donate to other organisations. And, and this is a great, great session. And that doesn't fall under the bracket of mental health, but it falls under the bracket of people that just need that hope and that inspiration of something better. And I think that's what drives us all. I think it's when we lose hope or the hope of something better, it could be quite a dark place for a lot of people. I know I was there. So once we give people that hope, as you do on a daily basis, even through the show, you don't know who you're going to reach with this. You don't know how much positive impact you're going to create, but you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's a great thing. That's a perfect, it's a beautiful thing, actually. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, I think... What's, what keeps me going and having like building relationships every single day, networking, allowing people to come on my show. Like I always tell people, my podcast wasn't one, isn't one of those podcasts that's just like, hey, come and share your story because you have a blue tick on your Instagram profile. <laughs> that, that's that's the complete opposite. I, I, the blue tick is like you know, it's a bonus. Otherwise, I'm running the other direction. Like it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I See, want this is proof. Genuine servant leaders. That's why my show in the beginning, I'm like. This podcast is all about servant leaders who are sharing the top five life lessons with the world because I believe that they are actually making an impact in the world in what they're doing in their field. And so I just want to be surrounded with servant leaders. Every single person that I've had on my podcast, I can go back to in the future and say, hey, do you remember I had you on the podcast? I'm super grateful for your time. Just wanted to ask you a quick question. Do you know anybody that can help me with this? Mm. Do you think they're going to say no? Of course not. I've helped them once. I've, I've added value to them once by having them on yeah. the show. If, and just because I asked them one question, don't want anything from them. Just an answer to that question. That's it. That redirect me to the right yeah. person. Well, can you help me? That's it. Yeah, I get that. And, and to prove testament to Sadiq's claim, I'm not on social media at all. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on YouTube. That's it. I actually made a decision to not be on, well, was it in May last year? I left Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram um, as uh, a protection for my, my own mental health. I've, I found it quite overwhelming. Now there are certainly links to my obsessive compulsive disorder, so this isn't a it's not a platform thing per se. But I think it comes again. It comes back to choice that I felt that I couldn't choose how I immersed in those platforms, and I think that there was certainly um, 
a rise in toxicity on the platforms from big world events. Obviously, you had uh, racism and bad politics in the pandemic and lots of different things going on and kicking off. I just start to see friendships of decades falling out on a, on a social media timeline. Now I just decided to to exit. And but as you can understand from from a commercial point of view, I was chopping up forty percent of my business. But for yeah. me, that's the value that your 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 mental health should take priority above everything. And with that kind of um, maybe attitude of expectation that I have, it was very quickly filled by the great stuff I do uh, in, in other places like LinkedIn and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, an interesting one. So I'm certainly not a blue tick brigade. You'd be pleased to hear. I'll back up Sadiq's claim very, very <laughs> But yeah, no, the, honestly, the reason why, I remember when you reached out to me and we were having that chat and like, I was just like, you know, I just felt it. Right? I saw your profile. I, 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 mm. It's really weird, but people never believe me when I say like, I can just, I can feel someone's energy through messages and through their bios and just, just through social media. Like, I don't need to meet you. I kind of have a feeling of looking through your, pro- like, I need to see some videos and some content of yours. And judging from the way you write and kind of like your videos or your, like how you are acting in them or something like I have this really kind of a talented skill where I can just pick up on like this person's really good at this or this person's like a scam artist. Like they seem very dodgy. I get that. They seem very I get that completely. You know, they seem very weird. So I, I, I do that. So I, I, always, I always want my energy to be surrounded by people who are like-minded or if not way better than me or doing amazing things in the world. I just want to connect myself with awesome people because... Like, I, want, yeah. I want to share these messages, these stories. Likewise, buddy. I, I think there's that American author, speaker called Jim Rohn, who says you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So lots to be said for that. I think if you want to, if you want to kind of upgrade yourself, you upgrade your environment. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said for that. He also, he, the same speaker also said, because he's one of my favorite personal growth gurus. Okay. He also said, See? for things to change, you have to change. For things yeah. to get better... You have to get better. That's my favorite quote. Absolutely. All time. Yeah. Because it's like when my our life changed when we changed ourselves, when we made a decision, we made a choice, right? When we started to make those little steps in our life to change it, that's when our life started changing. So for anybody watching or listening, if you want anything in your life to change, and you guys already know I share this every single week through all my content, you got to change yourself and take action today if you want anything in the future to change. So um, and Nick shared some insightful things some amazing tips so much wisdom so much like fun <laughs> stuff like i love when people make it fun because people are missing <laughs> out on the fun night right now and the comedy aspect as a speaker i think always busting a little joke in there like i remember like people just love relating to you through your personality so keep like keep being yourself right on the mm. stage as well it's so powerful when you just if you're quirky or you're funny or you're just um i don't know you're very passionate and you're very rah rah doesn't matter like the way of your style is mm. do you because that's that's what's going to really actually yeah. have that impact and let people feel amazing afterwards that's a big thing actually actually and i'm glad you mentioned it because you've got a wave of speakers over the past 10 months who have only ever known online now when we get back to in person again then they're going to want to expect what they've seen online. And I think for a long time, you, you kind of have those kind of social media kind of keyboard warriors. And actually, when you see them in person, it could be because I'm six foot four and 20 or so, but they, kind of, they go a bit quiet kind of thing. But the point, the point is, is kind of, you, you're very true. You need to have, you, this is why authenticity is key. You need to be you online, offline, everywhere. It needs to be authentically you 
because for a start, it'd be very, very tiring to put a mask on all the time. Yep. But also because when people see you online, well, now I've met you, when I see you in person, I give you a big man, man hug. Um, when when, that, when that happens, I, I know what to expect from you now. And if 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 I don't expect, if I don't get that, then like you said, it doesn't. Somewhat doesn't align. Yeah, it's the same with. Um, I've seen a lot in the speaking community. The kind of that. Um, will have an online persona then when you see them in person they're very much turned to that kind of hard salesman like yeah. run to the back of the room now it's only three grand the kind of thing like, <laughs> <laughs> i've seen it all as well nick i've seen yeah. it yeah. as you can imagine in the last what four years i've been to hundreds of events in london free ones paid ones the lot like i've seen it all and i'm like i'm gonna do things differently i want to be the speaker from the generation it's the most giving is the most kindest is the most authentic is the most genuine is is the guy that just there to give and and if somebody wants something from them then they just come and have to ask and they're gonna get it so i miss london i could definitely feel a double axe brewing here we'd have to get our, get I, our acts together bro, when we, uh, definitely 100 percent. when things get better we are planning a planning an event together for sure man for sure cool. like hold me absolutely so that leaves me with just one element I wanted to cover, which is a very simple one, actually. It's, it's written on my office wall. So um, it's every storm runs out of rain. I love that. For a start, it's a great country music track. If you are if you are into country music, check out Gary Allen, Every Storm Runs Out of Rain. I think in a minute, we just need to know that. Especially right now, we need to know that every storm you've ever lived through, you've at least survived because you're here, listening or watching, to the, watching this. Most of the time we learn, most of the time we thrive, most of the time we evolve through these things. The harshest of lessons, the most brutal of environments that we will come through and we will evolve, we will adapt. And this has been a great example that despite all the brutality along the way, there's a great chance we'll come through this smarter, stronger and even happier if we can just keep applying the right things to our personal and professional lives. I think we need to know that right now. Is that message of hope that people really need to know? Um, and I said, literally, on the day we're recording this, we've got Boris Johnson speaking at the same time, giving us that kind of roadmap out. And let's hope, let's hope that's going to happen. So every storm does run out of rain. You just need to start to, to wait this one out. This will pass. I promise you this will pass. Heard it here first. <laughs> Love it. Nick, man, honestly, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that we got connected now. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm already imagining and visualising, manifesting that speaking gig. Oh, together. It's going to be well, good. It's going to be good. It's going to be a fun event. Put it that way. Like, if yeah. you guys are listening or watching, if you're not there at that event, you, you're missing out. Like, we ain't live streaming that. That's live live. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. Upfront and personal. Before I end the show, I always ask my guests the, the, the last question. Well, it got a little go. bit deep, but I want you to answer this last question from the top of your head in one sentence, and then yeah. kind of like you—you're you, allowed to elaborate on it, but in one sentence, actually answer the question. So the question is this: So Matt, I want you to imagine. Obviously, Nick's already a speaker, so he does this on a daily basis. But I want imagine Nick to imagine that he's given a TED talk to ninety thousand people. 90,000 people. It's not a, it's not a little uh, a room. It's not Excel. It's literally like Wembley Stadium. 90,000 people, okay? You're giving this talk. You've just given this amazing, funny, valuable, wisdom-filled event where you just gave this talk. It was a 15-minute talk. And right at the end, you really had this urge, that little feeling came into you and you were like, I want every single person in this room to like, remember me today like if I die I want them to remember this moment like what would that one sentence be to that whole room in the, from these like 180,000 eyeballs in the room 
one sentence to leave them all to remember Nick by. I know what I'll, I'll no. remember Nick by. I reckon I've peaked too soon. I should have gone with every store runs out of ring. <laughs> ah, you see? Every now store you, runs out of ring. You're going to go with the same one again, yeah? I'm going to go with that one. Because it, for me, it's it's for, it's always signature sign off anyway. But I think it's just it's always an important message, especially given what I work in. People just need that little bit of hope. Um, yeah, so every storm runs out of rain. Just say everything you're going through will pass. It has an end date. Man, I love that. I love that. So it's just it's precise, straight to the point. And it's also something to leave everybody introspecting on. So super powerful, mm. my Nick. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm super grateful. If anybody wants to go and reach out to you, get a hug, <laughs> go and ask you a question. They, they, have, they have a burning desire. They want to learn something to, from you or ask something specific around mental health and some of the things that you're working on right now. What is LinkedIn the only way they can go and reach out to you, your website and LinkedIn? Uh, just nickelston.com, N-I-C-K-E-L-S-T-O-N.com. You can connect me through there. All of my links and stuff is on that website and i'll be putting all the links under the youtube video and all over the podcast so make sure you guys go and reach out to 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 nick for sure super cool guy funny you're gonna get so much value from him (laughs) please 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 go and reach out to him but nick one last sentence before i end the show it's been emotional (laughs) 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 so they likewise brother likewise you're doing doing brilliant and beautiful things thanks so much having me on the show you're welcome, man. Likewise, bro. Keep up the amazing work with the Speaking Academy. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to hold myself accountable to that. We'll definitely do something together soon in, in the future. Absolutely. So keep up this. the amazing stuff. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being authentic. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you as a man to a man, like for, for as a brother to a brother. Like, thank you for sharing the love and the, and the wisdom and the kindness with the world. Because as you know, people, like you said so many times in this call that people need to hear it. People need our energy. People need our love right now. So thank you for the service that you're giving to the world. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome. If you're still listening, I just want to say a massive thank you from the bottom of my heart. It truly means a lot that you're taking time out of your busy life to invest in yourself, to learn something new. And now, as a mentor of mine once taught me, teach it to others. Whichever platform you use, share whatever you've learned today with someone else out there in the world because we all need to spread more growth mindset related content out there for people to learn and change their lives too. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, let others know that there are guests on here who are sharing wisdom that's going to change their life and I hope to see you on the next episode. Take care.